This episode of the Single Tracks Podcast is sponsored by Glowworm Lights. Glowworm is a mountain bike light brand founded almost a decade ago by two mountain bikers in New Zealand, and today the company offers some of the highest quality bike lights on the market, including Bluetooth control and complete customization through their app. Glowworm's complete line of lights start at 1,200 lumens and range up to a blinding 3,600 lumens, all at reasonable prices. Save 15% off all light systems on the Glowworm website with the coupon code SINGLETRACKS2021. Shop for lights at glowwormlights.co.nz and be sure to check for the link in the show notes. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. My name is Jeff and today my guest is Tyson Swayze. Tyson is a mountain biker and trail builder who has lived in Moab, Utah for his entire life. He's currently the operations coordinator for Grand County, Utah, Active Transportation and Trails. Thanks for joining us, Tyson. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, it's good to good to be on the podcast. I'm excited to talk about Moab today. Yeah. Well, tell us a bit about your background. I was going to ask how you ended up in Moab, but I guess you were born there, so you didn't really have a choice. But like, yeah, what are you doing in Moab? Uh, yeah, born and raised in Moab. Um, you know, I've left it a number of times and I kind of wind up back here, uh, about worked mostly in bike shops since I was 12 years old. Uh, and about 10 years ago, started getting involved with, uh, Moab trail mix and they're the entity that's kind of built and now maintains a lot of the single track, uh, mountain bike single track in the area. Um, just mm-hmm. started out volunteering with them and that kind of evolved into a uh, kind of career of trail building. That's kind of mm-hmm. brought me back around full circle back to Moab um, as the operations coordinator for Grand County Trails, um, which is kind of just the what trail mix has become now. So we're actually a part of the county and yeah, we build, okay. maintain and work with the BLM on all of our mountain bike trails in the area. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, I'm curious to know, has Moab always been a tourist destination? Like, why does the town even exist? Yeah, actually, I dug around a little bit last night on the history of Moab because I know it fairly Mm -hmm. well. But, uh, you know, of course, Native Americans have been using the Moab Valley for thousands of years. Um, It's part of the old Spanish trail came through. Mm -hmm. So that went from Taos to L.A., um, so it actually crossed uh, where the Moab Highway 191 bridge is now because of its okay. kind of shallow river. Um, mm-hmm. The town itself was established around 1900. Um, and as early as 1906, they started promoting the area for tourism possibilities, which mm-hmm. I found that I'd never read that before and found that interesting that for you know 114 years, we've been yeah. <laughs> plugging Moab for tourism. Uh, but it, you know, it went through the forties and fifties as a uranium mining, uh, town. And that's Mm -hmm. what Moab was, you know, it was a boom, serious boom town, uh, Mm -hmm. through the fifties and into the sixties. And then it all kind of went bust in the sixties and seventies with mining. And that's kind of when tourism started picking up, um, river, river rafting became kind of a craze and, you know, with. The Colorado River running running right through town. It was an easy mm-hmm. sell. Um, getting outdoors and canyoneering and all that started to become more popular. And then in the 80s, of course, mountain bikes started to become a thing. And uh, because we had this all this mining in the area, there was roads that got built everywhere to every corner of this mm-hmm. desert. And uh, so there was lots to explore and mountain bikes kind of were, you know, the, the one of the perfect fits to explore those. Um, of course, people have been jeeping and uh, riding motorcycles out here for years before that. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what really, you know, in the 80s is when the town really started to kind of start to turn around into a tourist community. And then the mm-hmm. 90s is when things really, the accelerator kind of got pushed and... <laughs> Yeah. Kind of got to where we are today. Yeah. Interesting. Was your family connected with tourism in any way? Like, is that how, how's, how your family ended up in Moab? Yeah. My dad uh, moved here for mining originally in the hmm. early seventies. Um, 
and then uh, uh, worked for Tagalong as a river guide for a while in the 70s okay. and then opened a store on Main Street. He was a jeweler. <laughs> and uh, um, and then my mom was kind of just traveling through and managed to stick around. And a lot of my family's history, the Swayze history, is on the San Rafael Swell, which was west mm-hmm. of here. But kind of the Western folklore of Butch Cassidy and all them kind of intertwines with my family a little bit. So, oh wow! That's but as far cool. as Moab, yeah, we've been here um, second generation Moab, I guess. Yeah, my dad moved here well, pretty that, early on. That's interesting too, how it kind of ties into the story that we hear about other uh, mountain bike destinations, especially like up and coming ones where there was an industry that was based on, you know, resource extraction. Mm -hmm. um, And then, you know, these towns are having to make that transition. And it sounds like, I mean, even within your own family, like your dad came there as a part of the mining industry. And then he personally made that switch uh, to tourism, which, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely the classic boom and bust story. That's, happening all over the country, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like Moab was a mountain bike destination before there even were mountain bike destinations. And I I find that so interesting because there are a lot of great places to ride around the country. But, you know, even in like the nineties, I remember, you know, that's all anybody talked about was like Moab. You know, I live in Georgia, I live on the East coast (laughs) and people were talking about it. Like you have to go ride Moab. What, what is it that you think makes the area so great for mountain biking? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it, I mean, what got Moab really like that early foot in the door with uh, being an easy mecca is the Slick Rock Bike Trail mm-hmm. uh, was, you know, that was built by motorcycles and established, uh, designated in 1969. Um, oh, wow. So there was already this piece of single track. It's all on Slick Rock. So, you know, it was just painted on the rock. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was already there. Um, and then beyond that kind of talking about, you know, we kind of mentioned like, uh, because of the uranium mining, there were just survey roads and mining roads going everywhere. Mm-hmm. And by the time the eighties hit, you know, those roads were starting to kind of get worn in and, uh, starting to erode away. So they were getting a little rougher and they were more than just like these graded roads out through the desert. So that made them a little more exciting and, mm. Uh, a little more entertaining for biking on. Um, And so that was a big part of it. Another thing that's pretty funny is when you talk to people who were here in the late 80s and early 90s, above and beyond Slick Rock, the first guidebook for the area was already here. Hmm. I can't remember. Todd Campbell wrote that. Can't remember. I mean, you come to Moab and you're just hearing about it, and you look on the counter, and there's already like this inch, inch thick book of like places to mountain bike. Yeah. And you know, they were just he was way ahead of the curve with writing that book. Um, yeah. So from early on, they'd already figured out a lot of these routes. Um, you know, it also helped that Rim Cyclery opened in 1983. Oh, wow. Like right on the cusp of like mountain bikes becoming a thing. You know, they were one yeah. of the first specialized dealerships in the country. Um, and they were just an overall gear store for climbing and rafting and everything else, but um, quickly jumped on mountain biking and kind of started uh, pushing that for the area. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that Slick Rock has been around since what, the late 60s? How did the yeah. first trails get built? Like, were they kind of social trails that people in town were riding? Or was there like an official push to like get actual trails built in the area? Yeah, through, you know, up until pretty much 2000, you know, all through the 90s, what was making Moab famous was all the old Jeep roads, all the old mining mm-hmm. roads. Hmm. Um, we had nine miles of single track in the area that consisted of, kind of what's still our most advanced trails, which is Porcupine Rim, mm-hmm. um, now more commonly known as the bottom of the whole enchilada, uh, <laughs> Jackson Trail out on Amasavac, and the Portal Trail. And beyond that, there was almost nothing. There was a couple mm-hmm. of moto single track trails that had been built, but um, you know, it was really like Amasavac Jeep Road and Porcupine Rim keeping, keeping that uh, mountain bike mecca kind of status going. Hmm. 
Um, Intel Fruta really, I think, was one of the big turning points for Moab. Fruta started building mountain bike single track. Uh-huh. And I think that was like a big kind of like, wait, you can you can do that. That's a thing now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember I was working at Rim Cyclery at that time. I was in high school and, you know, all the bike shops were noticing this little bit of a dip in um, visitation. And it's because, mm-hmm. you know, people coming from Denver weren't going as far because Fruta had all this single track all of a sudden. And right. it wasn't all this gnarly Jeep road that we had around here. So it was a little easier too for people and a little less less rough on the bikes and body. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is really what spurred, uh, Grand County trail mix to become formed And Grand County trail mix is a County committee that, um, represents all non-motorized, uh, recreation for the area. Mm-hmm. So it's hiking, it's biking, it's equestrian use, uh, okay. snow sport, climbing access. Um, and they started working to develop single track however they could Hmm. um and so that was kind of the the beginning of it was around late 90s or you know early 2000s and that they didn't really gain a whole lot of traction until 2010 is when we really started building a lot of single track Hmm. Um, you asked about um like user created trails versus you know kind of how they were built and really we haven't had a lot of user created trails. Some of the slick rock routes in the area mm-hmm. were kind of user created. Um, the whole enchilada or the original route uh, was, was a user created route using kind of hmm. existing hiking trails and some cow trails Yeah, um, that kind of over the years got parts of it got closed and then rebuilt and, hmm. um, by the land agencies. So, Um, But most of it was, most of the, you know, the bulk of our trail systems have been done um, legally and fully designed and everything by trail mix and then uh, working with the BLM to do all the environmental assessments on it beforehand. And Mm -hmm. so it's really interesting that you mentioned Fruta being sort of um, the driver behind like the early 2000s push to like build you know, more single track. Cause I remember, I remember around that time. Yeah. People saying like, Oh, Fruta, is that the next Moab? Like, I, I don't think I made that up. I think, I think people were saying it yeah. and like, yeah, yeah. Well, I was competition is good. Yeah. yeah. Competition seems yeah. to have driven uh, Moab to, to really up, up the game there. And there's a ton of great new trail to show for it. And, and still, you know, I mean, I think most people, they would still prefer to go to Moab than Fruta. The Fruta is awesome too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fruta is awesome for sure. And, you know, since then we've built, um, over 150 miles of single track trails. Wow. Um, dispersed throughout six different trail systems. So yeah. And a lot of, yeah, we've kind of built everything we didn't have. It was, it was fun to watch the switch in Moab between, kind of riders who could ride all this gnarly hard jeep trail stuff you know mm-hmm. day after day and then once trail mix started building these uh more intermediate and beginner friendly trail systems mm-hmm. locals kind of started coming out of the woodwork to mountain bike again hmm. you know like our our local mountain bike uh kind of just population was I wouldn't say stagnant, but it was like the same people for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, once we started getting these slightly easier trails, more friendly just to learn on trails, mm-hmm. we started seeing climbers kind of coming over to mountain biking and rafters especially because oh, right. it's such an easy thing compared to rafting to do. And you can do it in shoulder seasons. And so it was really fun to see mm-hmm. as this kind of trail boom started to happen for us, um, just the switch even in our local economy of people utilizing these trails and, you know, cycling on them more and, and yeah. running too, of course, you know, so there's yeah, a huge running awesome. community here. Hmm. Well, yeah, I want to jump right to it then and, and get your take. What are some of the like family friendly rides in Moab that, you know, visitors and locals alike enjoy riding? Yeah. So for kind of beginner trails, you know, our, our level of beginner, I would say is higher than, a lot of the country. So mm-hmm. we always yeah. recommend 
if you're new to the area and more of a beginner rider, like check out something, you know, check out something that's easy and then go from there. So we have like the Moab brands trails, mm -hmm. uh, which are nine miles North of town, um, that have a couple of great options out there. Um, same with North Klondike, North Klondike bluffs trail system has a number of, uh, of easier trails, Jasper and agate. Okay. Um, and I mean, the best thing to do is come into a local bike shop and just say, I've never ridden here before. <laughs> Where should I go for my first ride? And what they'll right. do is they'll send you to one of these trails. And ideally what you do then is you go back to them and say, that was too hard or that was way too easy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then those, you know, I mean, your local bike shop is, you know, the professionals, right? Like utilize mm -hmm. them as much as you can and um, get that. But, you know, the Mob brand trails is great for beginner riders. Um, and, uh, you know, beyond, so that's kind of your family friendly stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, from there, oh, I lost hey, you mentioned the, the bike shops being good source of recommendations and, um, you know, it should be mentioned. And I think we'll, we'll talk about this a bit more, but like most of the shops, they're also doing, they have all kinds of other services there in town. It's not like, you know, my local bike shop here in Atlanta, where they're just focused on like selling bikes and doing repairs and stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the shops in Moab, from what I've seen, they're also going to have guiding services or tours or, or things like that. Um, and so they know a lot more. They're set up to really help people find the best places to ride. Is, is that sort of an accurate representation? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the shops are tied in closely with tour companies so they can, mm -hmm. if you, if you don't reach out directly to a tour company, they can get you uh, set up with one. Um, and they're all super professional, um, incredible mm -hmm. mechanics at all these shops. Cause people come here to ride for two days, three days, you know, right. their bike breaks on day one, whether it's a suspension problem or, you know, they're, they're, they're used to fixing things very fast and, yeah. um, and turning you around getting you out the door, you know, that day, if not the next morning. Yeah. That is a lot different from what a lot of us are used to where it's like, ah, hey, drop it off. I'll be ready in a week or two. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a big, they just have the, they have the mechanic workforce to kind of turn things around mm -hmm. super quick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, same thing with rental bikes, all the shops, I think we have five, five shops that all have 30 to over a hundred rental bikes at each shop. Mm -hmm. So if your bike does break, there's a good chance you can probably get on a rental bike for the day. Or, um, you know, if you're, if you're looking to travel to Moab, I definitely recommend, uh, getting reservations on bikes because they do, they do fill up and they can sometimes be hard to find if you're coming in the busy seasons. Hmm. Yeah. Well, which are some of the more challenging trails in the area? The ones that, you know, really, if you're a beginner, you definitely want to avoid. And, you know, even if, if you're someone who thinks you know how to ride and you're really good in your local trails, what's one that's really going to challenge even those people? Yeah. I mean, Gold Bar Portal. Um, so Gold Bar Rim and Portal, it's kind of the end of the MAG-7 trail system. Um, mm -hmm but those are two of our most technically and physically demanding trails. Okay. Um, gold bar rim is essentially you're right on the edge of a couple hundred foot cliff riding across this rim line. Um, and it's kind of trends downhill, but it's kind of, you know, it's pretty flat. So it's really mm -hmm. physically demanding because there's these let there's steps up and down and you're just constantly engaged with Ooh. technical terrain. Yeah. And then you end that with the portal trail, which descends down to the river. Um, and it is definitely our most advanced piece of trail. And it's our most exposed. People have actually fallen off of it and died before. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's the one that so, has the sign, right? That says, yeah. dismount your bike. People have died here. Yeah, there are signs. There have been signs put up. <laughs> and nobody, since those signs have gone up, I don't think anybody's died. Um, They're working. That's great. They're, they're working. <laughs> um, so, and, you know, beyond uh, Gold Bar and the Portal Trail, you know, the bottom of Porcupine Rim is uh, five miles of single track that's super advanced as well. Mm -hmm. um, Pothole Rock Stacker out on the Amasabak uh, trail system is 
very, uh, very physically and technically demanding as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's kind of, it is kind of interesting that like our most challenging trails are kind of our historic trails. So like right. Portal, Porcupine Rim and Jackson's Trail were all built for moving cows and horses, oh, you wow. know, over these up and over these cliff bands and we're fortunate to still have those and now be able to ride bikes down them, right? It's pretty yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. You know, beyond that, you know, if you're not looking for the most challenging trail that's out there, uh, Captain Ahab is, of course, the one one of the technical trails that we've built that's, um, you know, hugely popular and a really good also intro. If you're, if you're, if you're an advanced rider and you feel pretty good about your skills, but you're not quite sure about like your technical mm -hmm. riding, like that's definitely go ride Hymasa and Captain Ahab out at Amasa back. And that'll give you a good baseline of, you know, all those trolls we talked about before are mm -hmm. definitely a step above that and harder, but that's a good intro to Moab technical riding. Okay. Yeah. Well, I imagine for a lot of people visiting the, the number one trail that they want to ride is going to be uh, the whole enchilada. Is that mm -hmm. one that you would recommend for people? Like if, if they only have, you know, a day in town or are there other ones that maybe are, are just as good or, or fun ones to ride? Yeah. The whole enchilada is a, is a, it's a tricky one um, because it is the whole thing's rated black diamond and mm -hmm. it is long. Um, it trends downhill, but by no means would you ever call it a downhill trail. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the lower portion of it, porcupine rim is seven and a half miles of rock garden, essentially, <laughs> you know, the whole, it's this old mining road yeah. that is just eroded away to just this rough, rocky, gnarly thing that is, mm -hmm. you know, it's engaging for a mountain bike. That's why it's, it's a road, but it is very engaging. And so it is fun in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is, you know, kind of that world class it is world class because of that um is it the one i would do i don't that it's a hard question because we <laughs> yeah, ride it so much that i'm like i know i would go do ahab honestly <laughs> <laughs> i would go ride captain ahab probably if i just had one day but um you know if if that's what you're here to do and you've done your research and you know you're you're at that level you can ride a black diamond technical rocky trail mm -hmm. just fine then yeah. yeah, it is amazing. Um, it is hard too, because depending on the time of year, the whole enchilada can be 16 miles on up to 30 miles based on where the snow line is and what's melted. Mm. Yeah. So you can, you know, I mean, technically the whole enchilada starts up in the mountains at 11,000 feet right? and descends down. But um, depending on the time of year you're here, uh, you might get dropped off at Hazard County, which is a couple miles lower at 9,000 feet as well. Um, and then down to Cocopelli. Uh, and so it just kind of also depends on the time of year. And basically the shuttles always run to the highest point possible. Mm -hmm. So it can also be tricky. You might be planning to go to Hazard County and, you know, that borough passes melted out all of a sudden and you're going up to that yeah. so you do have to be careful and communicate uh kind of with the shuttle companies and make sure you know where you're going right um but yeah it's 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 one i definitely recommend if you're going to do it for your first time do some research don't just watch the cool bro videos <laughs> online you know right. have right. an idea of what you're getting into and uh, and pack accordingly too. You know, it's amazing yeah. how many people get dropped off with like a water bottle in a tube. It's like, well, you right. actually probably should have two or three tubes if it's yes. your first time. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good recommendation. And it's interesting too, because yeah, I mean, I feel like today, you know, anybody says Moab, everybody's mm -hmm. going to chime in with, you got to ride a whole enchilada. Um, mm -hmm. whereas like 10, 20 years ago, it was, you got to ride slick rock. Yeah. Is that Slick Rock still one to ride? I know even back then people were like, oh, no, that's just, you know, the one that everybody rides. Like there's better stuff. But what, what's your feeling about Slick Rock? Yeah, Slick Rock's, it's been interesting to watch kind of Slick Rock because when I was a kid, um, I started mountain biking here when I was 12. So I've been doing it a while and I was actually given my first job on slick rock at a local bike shop. A guy was following oh, wow. me. My dad would drop me off up there 
And uh, I would just ride back to town when I was done. But this local guy, Kevin Dwyer, was following me around. He noticed I was alone. He comes up and he's like, what are you doing out here? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my dad just dropped me off and I go ride around and ride home and I'm done. And he's like, <laughs> like, that's, that's interesting. Do you want a job in a bike shop for bike parts? And yeah. so Slick Rock's really special to me because I've been riding it since I was pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was definitely a time, especially during like, you know, fruit of building mountain bike trails and kind of this boom of mountain bike single track that Slick Rock was kind of, it was, it was like, why do you, why go ride Slick Rock? It's awful. It's horrible. Like, <laughs> and I feel like since that it's actually kind of switched and bikes have become better. Mm-hmm. Um, and Slick Rock's a little easier on a mountain bike, I feel now than it used to be. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really popular again. Um, yeah. huh. And we always recommend it as like a great like evening. Like you can go up and ride, you know, you ride two miles of Slick Rock, you've pretty much ridden all of Slick Rock. You know, like mm-hmm. just the experience yeah. is what that trail is all about. Like right. there's some great viewpoints out at the end of the main loop of Slick Rock. But mm-hmm. if you don't get there, you're not going to miss like it's not the end of the world. So <laughs> I always tell people, even if you just have like a couple hours, like in the evening before sunset, go up and do the practice loop or do an out and back on the main loop. Mm-hmm just to experience it. Cause it's all sandstone, you know, yeah. there's like three spots on the entire trail where you touch sand and the rest <laughs> of the time you're on rock. So it's really yeah. cool in that regards. And, um, like nothing else you will ride. It's amazing in that, yeah, uh, that that's, sense. So that's cool. Yeah. I, I remember doing an evening ride out there on slick rock one time as, as actually my first time going to Moab and we chose August, which, is not the best time of year to visit Moab, um, as we'll, we'll probably talk about later, but, um, yeah, it was just so hot during the day and we said, okay, we'll go back in the evening, you know, when the sun's down and we got out there that evening and it was still so hot because like the rocks were like radiating heat. And so I think that, that time we ended up riding it like the next morning, like as early as we could get out there. Cause August, August, it gets hot. Yeah. Yeah, do not. I just don't come here in the summer if you want a mountain bike. Like it is just search and rescue has so many calls of people just getting over their head and getting dehydrated and getting heat exhaustion. Like if you can just avoid it at all costs. Yes. July, August, um, most of June is hot. But, you know, like you said, you did ride in the morning. You did ride late and you can do it. Um, And we do have a lot of single track now that kind of allows for that. I guess yeah. kind of going back on your uh, initial question of like slick rock versus whole enchilada. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole enchilada was de- developed over a number of years and then eventually legalized. And yeah, since since it became legalized, like people, it, it just was, it's been put on everyone's bucket list, right? Yeah. And so that's why we definitely harp on like the educate, educate yourself before you get here. Don't just sign up for the shuttle online and go do it, make sure you have what you need. But also because of that, we've been developing uh, a alternative route off of the whole enchilada called the Raptor route. Hmm. And so what that does is it allows you at LPS, which is right above Porcupine Rim. um, Mm -hmm. It allows you to kind of get off the whole enchilada route and ride. um, When it's complete, it'll be nine and a half miles of purpose-built single track that kind of parallels Sand Flats Road toward Moab. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really important because a, it allows a um, more intermediate advanced friendly ride for users. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also allows you like five different bailout options or exit options onto mm-hmm. Sand Flats Road. Yeah. So if it's, you know, for riders, especially if you're starting at Burrow Pass, you know, you climb over a thousand feet and then descend down Borough Pass and Hazard County and Cocopelli. By that time, a lot of people are already getting pretty spent. And so me, that I did that exact thing that you're describing where we were on a bike packing trip and we're dropping down off of Borough Pass and, you know, fully loaded on bikes. And yeah, by the time I got to LPS and was done with that, I was like, I'm not doing porcupine with all this gear, like I jumped on sand flats. So that's awesome that you would have like a single track option there that they could get you off the road. 
Yeah, and even as locals, a lot of time in uh, the summer and and uh, in the fall, we're kind of bummed when we can't get like a shuttle up to LPS or something because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you're coming down all these miles. And then if you ride Porcupine, you're just, it's so rough. And then you end yeah. on the most advanced part of the whole trail right. at the last yeah. five miles. So, so we want to, you know, we're really kind of pushing um, this Raptor route idea and kind of getting it into people's heads that there is an alternative option that doesn't just include riding down Sandflats Road. Um, and it's purpose built and it's more single track than you'll ride on a porcupine rim. Um, so that's been a big project over the last two years and that'll be complete next fall. Okay. Right now there's, uh, seven, uh, right now there's seven and a half miles of it and we have a two mile section left to build, but you can currently go down it and use like the porcupine rim Jeep, uh, climb. You go down the mm-hmm. climb yeah. and then you get onto Falcon flow which is a five and a half mile single track on, okay. uh, in Sandflat. So. Cool. Well, I also want to ask you about some of the lesser known trails in Moab. Um, I'm always surprised that there are a lot more trails in the area, um, especially as you go up in elevation. Um, one of the trails I remember riding that just kind of blew my mind that it was even, you know, close to Moab was a trail called Moonlight Meadows, I think. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And, and is, you know, it was very lush and green up there and there's like aspen trees and are, are there a lot of trails like that in the forest uh, that you would recommend to people who have kind of done all the, the usual trails in Moab or closer to town? Kind of <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the LaSalle mountains are, they're, they're a bit of a beast. Um, the climbs are really hard. A lot of the climbs are on, uh, road. So, Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, Moonlight Meadows, uh, is a beautiful trail. There's also a trail called Schumann's trail, which is near Warner Lake, uh, Mm -hmm. which is a great loop. You do it from, uh, the Ua Lake road and, um, you can make a loop out of it and it's really nice. So yeah, if you are here in the summer, there are some options up there. You definitely want to be prepared with a map. Um, and some right. local info on it. Cause yeah, it's, it's, you know, we haven't mapped out and signed every, everything up there like we have in the <laughs> desert. So it's a little yeah. more adventurous, a little, you know, your classic mountain biking versus what we've done in the desert um, right. and be prepared for some climbing, um, you know, in the summer uh, local as locals, what we'll do is we'll ride up the wall Lake road and then up mm-hmm. moonlight meadows and then up okay. and over Burrow Pass, and then down Schumann's Trail. So that's an excellent, it's a big ride. Yeah, I mean, it's like nine like miles of climbing. Um, mm. But there are, you know, if you're here in the in the hotter seasons, there's definitely some, there's some good options up there and definitely recommend going into a shop and getting a map, getting the local bait on what you should do and shouldn't do because yeah, there's, there's some places you just don't want to go up there. You'll be pushing your bike forever. And <laughs> there's some yeah. gems like Moonlight Meadows and Schumann's for sure. Yeah, interesting. Well, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the, the groups who build and maintain trails in the Moab area. You mentioned the Trails Mix group, I believe. Mm-hmm. How is that organized and funded and, and all of that good stuff? Yeah, so Grand County Trail Mix started, like I said, about 20 years ago. Um, and they worked, uh, they're responsible for a lot of the single track that got built and basically they're a county committee and they got to a point where they were starting to build a fair amount of trail more than volunteers could really do and more regular than just a volunteer day here and there. So they Mm -hmm. started paying, um, trail builders through a local nonprofit and then after, uh, six or seven years of doing that, the local nonprofit was kind of like, what are you guys, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> you need to, like, you need to figure out your own nonprofit or move this along somehow. And because we were a county committee, fortunately, um, we had county commissioners and our economic department, uh, mm-hmm. community and economic department kind of knew the value of trail mix and what they were doing. And they said, you know, why don't we bring, uh, bring this into the county and pay you all as county employees. So mm-hmm. we're fortunate enough now that we're, um, we have two full-time employees and up to six part-time people seasonally. And okay. 
So Grand County, the long name, Grand County Active Transportation and Trails is now our department that maintains all the single track in the area mm -hmm. and continue to work with the BLM to expand um, options for more, um, more trail and um, so yeah, we work closely with them. This summer, we also we also work with the Forest Service. So we work primarily on the whole enchilada in the forest. Mm -hmm. uh, so this summer, we were up working on Burrow Pass um, as well. So and as far as that, the funding it comes from it comes from grants, uh, it comes from donations, and uh, some uh, transient room tax money as well that we get okay. from taxes on hotel beds and uh, restaurants. Yeah. Interesting. And what happened to that local trail club? Is there still a club that operates separately uh, from now, Grand County Trail Mix? Yeah, so Grand County Trail Mix is still a county committee, and they still mm -hmm. meet monthly, and they're still representing all the non-motorized users. Um, so we work, our county department works with them directly to kind of, uh, um, you know, do do the work that they've been doing for 20 years and can, mm -hmm. can continue to maintain all the single track that's been put on the ground. Um, so they are still very active and um, yeah, still going. Hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. So what type of bike do most people ride in Moab? Do you have like a recommendation if someone's like, I'm coming for the first time, like what kind of bike do I need? Uh, yeah. I mean, five to six inch travel bikes, are really great for the area um closer to five inch than six inch i recommend because there's a <laughs> lot of pedaling right desert terrain is constantly up and down it's um you know my main travel my main bike that i ride is an ibis uh ripley okay um i also have an ibis rip mo that i use on like the more advanced stuff but like if you're riding <laughs> moab brand trails klondike mag 7 area like that five inch travel or even four inch travel two niner is or your kind of down country bike i guess you could call it is pretty great but you definitely want some travel um because of the rocks it is everything even our xc beginner rides still have quite a bit of rock in them yeah um, so yeah definitely yeah. and the six inch travel bike will just make it a little more cushy and enjoyable but <laughs> it can be a lot on the pedaling sometimes you know a lot more work yeah Interesting. Do a lot of people rent bikes when they visit? Like, do you see many people who are like there for paddling or rafting, or maybe they're mm -hmm. like visiting the national park and they say, Oh, Hey, I'm going to rent a bike and, and go try this mountain biking thing. Is that common? And, and if so, like, are there plenty of shops to, to find rental bikes? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we have, uh, um, every bike shop in town rents bikes and, every shop has, I think between 30 and a hundred rental bikes. So oh, wow. there's, there's a lot of rental bikes floating around. A lot of people do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can now fly into Moab as well, oh, um, cool. from Salt Lake or Denver. So a lot of people are doing that, uh, just flying in for a weekend and mm -hmm. rent a bike and go pedal around or, um, yeah, you mentioned like if people are here rafting or climbing or doing other things, yeah, they'll definitely do the try to get in every sport they can and experience it, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of bike shops and a lot of opportunity to rent bikes. Uh, definitely recommend reserving them. Uh, mm -hmm. if you're planning out your vacation, just cause they can even, you know, some of the shops with close to a hundred rental bikes still rent out most of those bikes, uh, oh, wow. daily. Yeah. Uh, definitely get the insurance. If the, if the shop offers insurance, get it. The yes. rocks in this area will, will tear up a bike quickly. And, um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. So we mentioned the whole enchilada, which is a ride that is a shuttle ride. Somebody, you know, you're going to get driven to the start of it. I won't say the top because I mean, it is the top, but like you said, there's lots of climbing. It's not like you just don't have to pedal. Um, but are there some other popular guided or shuttled tour routes that people are going to want to consider riding in Moab? Yeah, the other, the other big uh, shuttle uh, trail that people go to is the top of Mag 7 or Gemini Bridges. Hmm. Okay. Um, it, it is also just like 
the whole enchilada is definitely not a downhill ride. It's downhill mm -hmm. trending, uh, but you're going to be pedaling a lot. And so what uh, MAG-7 is, is it, it's a whole trail system. So there's options to do loops within it as well, or mm -hmm. you can ride straight through the trail system. And then you have the option to either um, ride out the Gemini Bridges Road to Highway mm -hmm. 191, or you can m go on to ride uh, Gold Bar Rim and the Portal Trail. Okay. Um, the Gold Bar Rim and Portal Trail part, of course, is for advanced advanced level riders. So at that point, mm -hmm. you know anyone, you can ride Mag Seven if you're an intermediate rider and feel pretty comfortable and confident on everything. Mm -hmm. um, but you'll want to ride out to Highway 191 on Gemini Bridges Road. And then you actually, where you exit is at the Moab Brand Trail. So there's more option to ride even more over there. Um, so that's another popular one, the MAG-7 trail system. Um, mm -hmm. As far as shuttling, those are kind of our two big uh, options. Um, and then, of course, if you're if you're looking for any kind of uh, any kind of tour. Uh, we have a lot of local tour companies in town and um, those can be great if you're coming here alone or you're coming here with a group and you're unsure uh, just the lay of the land or where you want to mm -hmm. go. You can call one of those companies, talk to them for a little while and they'll get a sense of your, your skill level and then they'll mm -hmm. kind of curate your ride with the right guide on the right trail system. So we do have a number of different trail systems that are spread out. That's kind of one of the, the beauties of how our mountain bike trails developed is that it puts people in different areas. Mm -hmm. um, so it's easy to kind of get away from people that way. We don't yeah. all go to one zone, right? Right. So, but the local tour companies are great for kind of sorting out which one of those systems you should go to. Mm -hmm. um, and they'll take you there and show you kind of the best options within them. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, for those who are looking for like a less formal and maybe maybe a little bit like more local feeling ride, are there like regular group rides uh, in town that that people could just like drop in on, or are you going to steer people away from from maybe doing that? There, there are not local group rides. Hmm. It is. I mean, I've I've been mountain biking here since I was 12, you know, I'm 35 <laughs> now. <laughs> and uh, there's randomly like throughout the years, people will start a group ride. It'll, it'll go for a while and then it just kind of fizzles out. Um, yeah. So there's not really any good group rides to just kind of drop in on uh, mm -hmm. that are consistent. You know, we kind of like in the winter, we'll do some group rides and stuff. Um, there's not a whole lot of going on for group rides. It's really it's an interesting part of our community that I still don't quite understand. That's <laughs> it's just a funny thing that yeah. I think it, I think it stems from like so many of us work in the service industry and we have just mm -hmm. totally different schedules um, yeah. that we have like our little groups that we ride with. Mm -hmm. um, and then when it comes to our weekends, we're just like, get me out of here. Let's go ride. Um, <laughs> right. And yeah, it's it's interesting. The, the, the local community here can be, can be interesting at times. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. And with so many trails around, I mean, it's, it's easy to just probably, you know, get in a solo ride real quick, you know, whenever you yeah. have time. And so, yeah, trying to like coordinate everybody, like you said, everybody, a lot of people are in the service industry and, and those hours can be, they can be odd. So yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess that makes sense. So we talked about the heat of summer in Moab, and maybe that's not the best time of year to visit. What what are some good times of year to visit Moab? Uh, March, April, May, and late September and October, sometimes into November. So okay. kind of your bulk of your spring, bulk of your fall is definitely the best time. Um you know, winter can be totally hit and miss. Some years we're riding in shorts in mm -hmm. January and some years it doesn't get above freezing and we have a foot of snow on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. it's definitely best if you're coming in any kind of off season to um, call local shops, mm -hmm. call the local info center, um, get an idea of what's going on because we do get a lot of snow and mm -hmm. our trails do get muddy and, um, you know, the biggest problem here is when our trails get muddy, we get small mud holes and people try to ride around those. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And that just impacts the desert more and more. Um, and it widens our trails. So it's good to, good to know what the conditions are like before you get here and, you know, realize that you can't ride or it's too muddy or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Do many places shut down like in the off season? Are there going to be like fewer restaurants or bike shops open if you come in the winter? Yeah, I think, I think at this point you can always find a shop and restaurant open. It used to definitely be that every restaurant would close in the winter. Um, (laughs) but at this point, everyone, you know, keeps, keeps some kind of staff on through the winter. A lot of, a lot of places do close, but you'll find food. Um, shops close here and there for maybe a couple of weeks or a month, but, um, most of them are staying, I know like poison spider stays open year round. And, um, so yeah, you can generally find a shop or place to eat. You know, one of our big issues now, this is, um, that could become an issue, especially this winter is getting, uh, getting workers. You know, it's the story of the West right now. Like nobody can find, people to work service jobs because so many of these communities, the, the real estate market's gone through the roof and we can't afford to live yeah. here anymore. Right. So we'll see how that plays out this winter and next. This has become this year is the first that we've really seen a lot of our restaurants closing down for a day or two in the middle of the week that wow. would normally be open seven days a week. And there's a sign on the door that says we're closed due yeah. to staffing shortages. Um, and even some of our most popular restaurants are doing that. Um, so we'll see how this winter goes with, uh, local staffing. So, but that's definitely another very important thing. If you're going to any tourist community in the West, probably just about anywhere in the country right now is if you're going out to eat, you got to be patient. Um, (laughs) right. Because every restaurant's understaffed, bike shops are understaffed, you know, it's, it's something we're all dealing with right now. So, yeah, for sure. Interesting. Well, are there certain bars or restaurants uh, where more mountain bikers tend to hang out? I mean, when I think of Moab, there's a lot of distinctive like recreation groups and, you know, there's like the off-road vehicle drivers. I don't know what you call them, Uh, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) I'm sure they have places they like to hang out. Like, are there more mountain bike friendly uh, places that that folks like us are going to want to visit when we're in Moab? Yeah, I mean, I know like the uh, the Moab Brewery's always been. I mean, that's popular with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dewey's Restaurant is a place kind of right in downtown as well. That's uh, generally got a lot of people. You know, it's hard because there's so many people here doing so many different things <laughs> um, that there isn't necessarily businesses catering to one right. one distinct group. So. Um, just about anywhere you go in town, you're going to find, you're going to find bikers <laughs> at it. Um, yep. of course the Mexican restaurants are always popular with cycling community for, <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, and, uh, you know, some of our more popular breakfast places like Love Muffin and the Moab Garage Co. You'll definitely find, uh, a lot of bikers hanging out at those in the mornings, getting their coffee and getting ready for a day of riding. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, yes, we were talking to about um, the best time of year to visit. Are there certain like big festivals or races that people are going to want to know about um, so they can try to visit town during the race? Or maybe they want to avoid the race. They want to go when it's maybe not as crowded. But what are some of the big mountain bike events uh, in Moab these days? Yeah, right now. So we have... uh uh, the outer bike festival, right. uh, which happens, it just happened. So it normally happens in the fall. I think they do a spring one as well. The last couple of years, of course, not a whole lot's happened <laughs> with right. COVID and everything. Yeah. Um, but outer bike is a big, uh, event to check out. Um, and that's a big demo event. So you can get on, you can get on bikes. You can talk to companies about, about what's coming out and what's, mm-hmm. what's hot and new. Um, and that's one that started there in Moab, right? It's uh, put yeah. on by Western Spirit, I believe. Um, and of course, now there's outer bikes all over the country, but that's sort of the original one, right? Yeah, yeah, they're doing them all over. And it's, yeah, it's a great event. It's really fun. Um, you know, and it's, they do a good job of always uh, putting it at the right time of year to have some incredible weather for it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
So that's a it's probably the biggest one. The uh, Moab Hoedown Festival happens during Halloween, mm-hmm. or the closest weekend to Halloween every year. Um, that's held uh, by Chili Pepper Bike Shop. Okay. Um, it didn't happen this year. Um, they're bringing it back for next year. Uh, the great thing about that event is that all proceeds go to our Moab Bike Park. So we have a dirt jump park oh, here. Nice. And so all the proceeds go to that. So that's definitely a cool one to come to town for and get involved with. They do a, they generally do a race along with it and a dirt jump contest and some group rides and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, I believe the only other race that's happening still is the Trans Rockies Moab Rocks race oh, that just cool. happened a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a... Uh, hybrid XC. Uh, it's like an advanced XC uh, stage race. So they do three days of racing um, kind of all over the place. So um, trying to recall, if you go to moabhappenings.com, that's one mm-hmm. of your best places, or Discover Moab. Both those okay. places give you tons of info. One of the bigger, we have a lot of uh, running races in Moab now that's definitely the those happen during just about every season at this time and it's real good to check on when those are happening because they um, can definitely kind of overrun an area they kind of take over (laughs) like the trailhead they're at or whatever you know they you can still go and recreate on those trails but you probably want to avoid it because there's just a lot going on Um, you know this weekend we have the Moab trail marathon uh that's i think a couple thousand people <laughs> so it's wow. some of these events are huge um yeah. so yeah which they're they're all great they're all it's it's always good to see them but you do want to kind of maybe work around them whatever day they're racing so yeah yeah well i imagine based on where moab is surrounded by a lot of public lands there is a lot of camping available probably some of it uh, improved campgrounds and then some of it sort of unimproved. Um, does lodging and like campsites tend to fill up in Moab, you know, during certain seasons or around certain events? Like, do you have any recommendations for folks who are trying to figure out where to stay when they visit Moab? Yeah, definitely. You want to plan ahead if you're coming in uh, spring or fall. Mm-hmm. Um, lodging in town gets very expensive as well. Um, you know, it's not uncommon to see the Motel 6 going for 200 plus a night <laughs> wow. for a hotel room. So, yeah. Um, so definitely plan ahead in that in that regards. If you're, if you're planning on staying in a hotel, get your reservations early. Um, mm-hmm. As far as camping, there's a lot of uh, 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 established BLM campgrounds that, um, you know, they are pay per night, but they have restrooms. Um generally have uh, picnic tables and campfire rings and that sort of stuff we mm-hmm. always ask people to try to use those because there's you know there's over three million visitors a year to the to the area around wow. Moab yeah so the impacts are huge um, so dispersed camping is a little harder here uh, there's a mm-hmm. lot of regulations on where you can and cannot camp um, okay. and within Grand County uh, which is our, our county we're in you actually have to pack out all human waste as well now Oh, wow. So if you're coming here and you are dispersed camping, make sure you have a portable toilet or wag bags or some way because <laughs> we just have so many visitors who are camping yeah. in the same places, even our dispersed camping. You know, it's kind of there's there's the there's certain areas you can do it in and um, you'll find a lot of toilet paper. You know, <laughs> Yeah, that definitely makes it less appealing as an option if you know you got to carry your waste out. So, yeah, that's good to know. It's good to know. It's good to plan ahead on that stuff and, um, you know, kind of do some research. Discover Moab has a great site on uh, camping in the area with kind of the regulations and where you can and cannot camp. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, definitely plan ahead with that. <laughs> so, Tyson, you mentioned uh, that there is a new trail route, the Raptor Trail or Raptor Route. Uh, that's under construction and hopefully is going to be open next fall. Are there any other trails in the area that are being expanded or maybe new trails uh, in the works for the future? Yeah, right now the Raptor route is kind of our um, 
kind of what's on our list for new new trail. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of our trails are getting to this five to ten year window, um, and they're needing a lot more heavy maintenance. Uh, so a lot of what we're doing, what our crew's doing right now, is just doing uh, these bigger maintenance projects. So rebuilding rock ramps. Uh, you know, we're actually having to go in and rebuild sections of trail that 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 are just starting to kind of fall apart because of their age and erosion. Um, we also had a lot of uh, a lot of monsoon rains this summer that took out all sorts of trails in the area. A lot of work to do this year. Yeah, I, I mean, maintenance is probably huge. I mean, with that many trails that are available there and people expect when they visit that the trails are going to be in good shape. And I mean, that's why they go to Moab because of the great trails. So it definitely makes a lot of sense that you'd have to spend a lot of resources just making the trails stay as awesome as they are. Is that is that a big part of the budget as well? Like just just regular trail maintenance every year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's our biggest thing we do at the moment is, um, you know, our 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 desert environment's pretty fragile compared to mm-hmm. a lot of others because we don't have a lot of plant growth here, mm-hmm. um, and we actually have uh, what's called biological soil crust, or a lot of people know it as cryptobiotic soil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so those those soils are lining our trails, and when they get impacted. Um, you know, those footprints or those tire tracks can be visible for years. Mm. So a big part of what we do is, um, you know, we actually physically go out and rake tracks that go off trail, uh, not mm-hmm. only because it's, you know, a bit, it's an impact and raking those tracks out helps that biological sus- soil crust grow faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also helps the trails stay narrow. Um, so every time someone rides off a trail to get out of the way of somebody or, um, you know, a group stops in an area where there's soil that impacts that zone and can widen the trail significantly. Mm. So not only is it impactful to our environment, but it's also very impactful to our trails. So, um, you know, that's one of our biggest things. So, and then, uh, two of us are full time. So a lot of our, um, time in the summer when it's too hot to work outside and in the winter when it's snowy is uh, working on pushing out trail etiquette information Hmm. Um, just because you know unlike if you're in a mountain terrain or an area where there's a lot of vegetation if you pull off the trail it's no big deal but here in the desert it's a pretty big deal that's why Mm -hmm. you know we do the lining and the raking out so um, those are kind of two of our big you know we do a lot of work on maintenance and a lot of work on trying to educate users either at trailheads or um, before they get here on just kind of the sensitive uh, sensitive terrain we have. You know, a lot of people are like, yeah. it's a desert, it's a wasteland. <laughs> and it's like, no, right. it's like every part of our desert is doing what it can to survive. And mm. because of that, it's more fragile and uh, important that we keep our impacts minimal. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Are there, are you seeing more of a need for this? Like as, Moab becomes more popular or, you know, are people riding more or, and, or are there certain trails that are like more susceptible to this, like overuse than others? Yeah. I mean, we're every year it's, you know, mountain biking is growing so much. Um, Mm -hmm. And then with uh, like the NICA Utah high school cycling league, you know, we're injecting thousands of new riders into, into these trail systems every year. And um, those users aren't getting the education that, you know, that I, that they need ahead of time Mm -hmm. and especially not getting education that is curated for desert environments, Uh, you know, desert environments are different than mountain environments and kind of what we were just talking about. And um, so, yeah, more and more every year, it's more important that we get this info out to people and, um, continue to expand these education programs and um yeah try to try to try to make less impact you know because we're just we're all we're all we're all a piece of that impact and there's every year more of us so (laughs) right right well is there anything else that mountain bikers need to know before visiting moab maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a while yeah, I mean, I would do, uh, you know, do your research, 
you know, get online and discover Moab's got amazing info for the whole mm -hmm. area. Uh, if you go to moabtrailmix.com, that routes you to our county page. It's got a lot of this uh, uh, kind of user trail etiquette, desert etiquette information on it. Um, if you have, if you haven't been in the area in the last ten years or so, definitely look around at uh, what the popular trails are now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's there's been a number of times where I've been out in the desert, uh, you know, and come across somebody who's out on like Poison Spider Mesa. <laughs> which in the 90s was a popular mountain bike trail. Uh, yeah. And if you go out there now, you will just, you'll be destroyed because the sand <laughs> is so much worse than it used to be from like UTVs oh, wow. and Jeeps just, just spinning tires. Like the sand mm -hmm. is horrendous out there. <laughs> uh, so do your do research on what new trails there are in the area and uh, mm -hmm. know that you know, we have over 150 miles of mountain bike specific single track. Mm -hmm. Um you know, but, you know, yeah, really do your research. And uh, uh, if you've never mountain biked here and you're kind of new to mountain biking, I would recommend going into a shop mm -hmm. and asking them where you should start. Uh, and they'll help kind of curate some good rides for you and uh, get you in the right direction. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, Tyson, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us about Moab and to share your local trails and your local community. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Jeff, thank you very much. It's been great. We can find more information and resources, as Tyson mentioned, at discovermoab.com, also moabtrailmix.com. So I've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week.